Alright comrades, we are back with another episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner Presented by Century Arms That's right, and of course joining me is the skinny man, the big tall skinny man himself Adam Ranala, ladies and gentlemen Adam, How's welcome it going, in brother? It's going good, we missed you last episode, man I was I was bumming because you didn't join us. You know, I, I, I got to be honest. I can only take so much of you. I sometimes we have to have our times apart. <laughs> See, we we got to have our alone time. But you did send a good in, uh, send in a good uh, uh, pinch hitter for you, and uh, he he did a great job. So Anthony Como joined us, and our yep. last episode we talked about suppressing the AK forty seven, and we had Mike Pappas with Dead Air Silencer. Zach Hall with Ackless Defense. Uh, of course, uh, our good buddy Brian Keeney from Occam Defense Solutions, who is also joining us this episode. Brian, welcome in. Thank you. Great to be here again. And longtime leadhead, friend of the show, uh, Curtis Halstrom with the VSO Gun Channel uh, joined us last episode also. So go back, check that out. It's a great episode. Lots of information there. And we're continuing the AK-47 education in this week's, or this month's episode. I keep forgetting this is a monthly episode. Uh, with parts kits. So the home builder, building your own AK-47. We've had several of you that have had questions about uh, building your own AK. And it actually, uh, the idea came to me from one of our last season's winners. He, he won one of the parts kits that we gave away. And he was just very distraught and frustrated because uh, he didn't really know what to do with his parts kit. So we're hoping this episode, by the end of it, you guys will at least you know have the resources and knowledge that you need to go and, and get the information that you need for those home-built kits. So bringing in some big guns for this episode, uh, like I said, we've got Adam, we've got Brian with Occam Defense, and then... Uh, Brian recommended this gentleman for the show. Brian, I'm going to let you do the introductions uh, for Andrew. So my first experience with Andrew was probably 2013, 2014. Um, I was behind enemy lines in California. And at that time, you could build 80% AKs, which we'll get into, that could be legally off book in California, meaning the state didn't know that they existed. And... um, they were perfectly legal. And so that's how I was getting around some of the tyranny over there. And I had ordered a kit from him and, um, I forget exactly how it went, but I had it shipped to Tennessee where I was going to, to a school and I didn't expect him to include the magazines, which were 30 rounders. And, um, since they were going to Tennessee, he, he tucked him in there and put in a note, you know, saying, thanks for all the business. And I just got really personalized, uh, service from him. And, um, it was really great. And I've since gone on since I've gone into the business of manufacturing AKs. He is now our sole supplier of parts kits and gives us great service and is, is quite an expert and, uh, yeah, continues to give great service. So I thought it'd be a natural fit for telling us about how these kits get into the country and what his business is like, which I actually don't know very much about. So I'm, I'm, uh, as interested as everybody else to hear his story. Very cool. Andrew Smith with Arms of America. Welcome in. Gentlemen, uh, thanks for having me on here today. 
So, uh, yeah, we've been in the AK business for about 14 years now. And our main specialty is obviously buying surplus rifles overseas, having them demilitarized, then importing the parts into the U.S. We also import complete firearms from Poland. From uh, We're working with WBP, and we're also representing Fabrika Broni, which is Poland's main uh, military small arms arsenal. And uh, hopefully if you guys are at the SHOT Show, you'll swing by. We'll be running FB's booth this year, and we've got a pretty exciting announcement to make this year. So uh, we look forward Very to cool. seeing you guys there. Yeah, and we're all we're all going to be there, and that's I think that's part of uh, everybody's rush today too. So uh, some of us may not be able to stay on the whole episode. We understand that. Uh, but speaking of shot show, Adam, that that's one of your big feverish uh, tasks that you're trying to accomplish here in the next couple of days. Uh, talk about Century Arms and uh, what's coming up at shot show. Yeah, super excited to be a part of SHOT Show as always. You know, it's one of those times where not only is it great to see the other people in the industry that really kind of help things run as smoothly as they should, but also then to kind of get some time with some of the people that really ultimately are the end users and get their feedback and, and you know, the, the constructive criticism as well as the, the – it's nice to hear the positive things that the companies are able to do for, for the end user. So, as always, Century and Canik, uh, as well as our – Brands of U.S. Palm and Red Army Standard will be in a uh, booth 11962, same spot as always. Um, we've got some pretty cool things we're going to be rolling out, like everybody, some really exciting announcements, some uh, wonderful individuals, some ambassadors of the brand, and some fans of the brand that have some pretty big followings and names themselves that'll be uh, playing host in our booth. Uh-huh. I think you know you and I are going to do some stuff. We've got some pretty big names that are going to be doing a, an episode of the show as well. So really excited about that. That's right. Um, We're going to do a special uh, AK corner from Shot Show, and uh, like Adam said, we got some some names that you are going to recognize. Um, that's going to be on that episode. Yeah. So so really excited to do that. We're going to be announcing some really cool cool new products from all of our brands. We've got some. Really exciting information if you're an ammo guy. I mean, who isn't an ammo guy when it comes to the guns? So Red Army Standard's got some really exciting information to share. Uh, U.S. Palm obviously just came back into the mix, and we're doing some pretty neat things to really um, support that brand at SHOT. Uh, Canik has been constantly evolving and coming out with new things and some products, maybe not necessarily the most reinvented or brand new product, but some special requests that we've really, uh, some special makeups that we're doing now. Interesting. To, uh, yeah, so, so I just put it you know, there's there's a lot of colors in the rainbow, and sometimes <laughs> it's fun to play with all of them. So uh, some cool things like that. And then uh, th- let's just say Century is going to do something in terms of from the AK world that has never been done Uh-oh. in the U.S. market on a grand scale. And so we're really excited to something. Yeah, it's uh, something that's been long time requested, but hasn't actually been able to be done by anybody and so we're excited to really break the mold on that um and you Very know cool. yeah yeah so i'm excited you, now man you got me pumped up for it so that's gonna be i'll just say i'll just say you know it's one of those ones that ak is great and when you can do it in different calibers well it's pretty exciting <laughs> so um, you know so we're gonna be really excited to see the reaction to fanfare and the suggestions that people have with that as well uh, one of the things that I'm most excited about is, you know, everybody's got cool giveaways and things like that. Mm-hmm. Century was able to let me uh, kind of think outside the box this year. So we bought a claw machine. 
Like, you know, like the uh-huh. claw machine. I think we and talked about this. Yeah. Away, <laughs> you know, you're giving away guns and magazines and, and swag and all in the claw machine. All you have to do to register to play the claw machine is come by and take a five uh, five question survey. That's ultimately going to help us uh, better supply, uh, supply the demand that is out there, the accurate demand. Mm-hmm. And then you get a shot at winning guns and all kinds of cool swag in the claw machine. So we're really excited to do that. And it's just going to be really one of those opportunities to, to kind of give back and at the same time get as much as we can out of it as well. So we're excited to be there. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Like you said, I will be coming by one day. We're going to do some live feeds uh, with Adam. And then, of course, they're going to be coming by uh, the lead quarters, which is at the Buck Knives booth uh, again this year. And we're going to do a special episode of the AK Corner. So looking, looking forward to that. And then, of course... Uh, as every episode of the AK Corner, we're giving something away to our listeners. So this episode's no different, Adam. What are we going to be giving away this episode to one lucky AK Corner listener? Yeah, so obviously we just talked about U.S. Palm and how we're really pushing to get back in the market. So we're going to give away a, a grip to set up your gun as well as 10 magazines, 10 U.S. Palm mags uh, as well. So Sweet. really excited to get those out. Yeah, we just got actually got an email today from your last winner. I think you saw it too. Yes, he said he received his stuff, and you know it was really nice to see. He said out right out the bag, right out the, in the packaging, he could tell the quality of them, and that was it's really nice to hear. You know, he hasn't even had a chance to put it through the paces, but when you get that first impression and really feel yeah. strongly about the product to the point where you take the time to write us, it, it felt really good. So you know, we've had nothing but positive reviews so far of the brand. And we're just excited to continue to get that out there. We're doing that at a price that we think uh, really provides the opportunity for people to test the U.S. Palm brand again. Yeah. Well, you, Century Arms has, and Canic and uh, Red Army Standard U.S. Palm have been very good to the uh, the lead heads. We gave away a Canic last episode, I believe. I, last think, I think it was last episode, yeah. Yeah. We gave away a, a Canic uh, pistol. So. <laughs> Awesome stuff here on the AK Corner. Make sure you're listening every month, participating on social media, sending me emails with your suggestions for the show, guests, comments, uh, and we reward you for that. So, very good. So, guys, we want to talk parts kits. We want to bu- talk about building your own AK-47. Uh, there's nothing more fun or satisfying than a DIY DIY, DIY, do-it-yourself project. Whether it's building guns or just a home project, or I mean, there's just nothing more satisfying than than your own hands building and making something. And I know a lot of you lead heads in the past. You know, we talked about AR builds, AR-15 builds, uh, and just how exciting that is when you guys build them and you send the pictures in. And there's no difference than AKs either. And and they can be just as easy and just as fun. Uh, but a lot of people aren't familiar with. The parts for one, and then the tools that you need for that. Uh, so we're going to go over some of that, and then, of course, some of the laws that go uh, in with the AK-47s, too, if you're going to be getting some of these uh, imported parts from other countries. It's going to be educational. It's going to be fun. It's going to be satisfying. And uh, we want to make it all of those things for you and more, and that's why we're bringing in the experts here. So, Brian... You, uh, you are very good with our outlines of the show, so h- how do you think we should kick this off? So just off the top of my head here, I think we want to talk education first. Uh, the number of mistakes that I've made and money I've wasted um, through not getting enough education on the front end um, makes me think we should start there. And then talking about where to get your parts kit and the different types of them, I think that'll be a really good place for, for Andrew to 
to share what he knows. Okay. Um, and then in a parts kit, sometimes they come with a barrel, um, which for beginners I would highly recommend. Andrew sells a quite an assortment of pre-barreled kits. You need a receiver, which you can get from AOA or Childers or a couple others. We'll go over that. Um, go over 922R compliance, which is more of a concern than than not when you're building, but there's a lot of ways around it. We can talk about that. Mm -hmm. And then where to get your tooling, the, the tools that you need to build an AK, where to get your rivets, which believe it or not are a giant deal. Um, and then getting after it, if we have time, the actual process of, of cranking the thing together in, in a very brief overview, because I could talk for about 20 <laughs> or 30 hours on how to build an AK. So, we'll, but I, I think the education will, will, will cover where to go for that info. Okay. And in, in education, what are you referring to? <clears throat> well, um, Contrary to people saying that AKs are built in caves and you can just get, you know, an old truck, uh, you know, some chunk of steel off an old truck and just start banging away, that's that's not AKs. Um, we measure our parts to ten thousandths of an inch. So 0 0.001 matters to us in inches when we're putting stuff together. So this is a, a even though the fit of certain parts is loose, the precision is actually very high. And um, so there's a bunch of places to go. And in contrast to Glocks and ARs, YouTube is a bit of a cesspool for AK knowledge. And I started there and I'm lucky that I didn't blow my face off. And uh, so that's that's the education place is, um, we've got a couple different options for you there. Okay, so uh, YouTube, you know, being one of those sources, but you got to be very careful in where you're getting your information from, like you said. Um, yep. What yep. Uh, What are some YouTube, reputable YouTube channels that you would recommend? Um, the the best one, but it is, it is outdated, was put out by Cameron Childers, who owns Childers Guns. He is, uh, he makes, in my opinion, the finest receiver in the U.S., um, ChildersGuns.com. His YouTube channel is, I believe, The Dark Knight Builds, okay. like Batman, The Dark Knight Builds. <laughs> okay. um, there's another guy uh, where, and I'm not going to say he's wrong, but I just subscribed to a different school of thought, Ginsboy2000, G-I-N-S-B-O-Y, um, has a, I like most of what he does. And what I will say is that he's probably the best out there of the people that show how to build on your kitchen table. And he literally has a series on building on your kitchen table. I don't <laughs> love everything about it, but you know, he's a, he's a sharp dude. And just cause I don't like it doesn't mean it's not right. Um, and then there's another guy. Oh gosh, Mel, Mel something. Who's a metal Mel worker. 64. I believe his name. Mel, there we go. Thank you. Mel 64 D. Um, he has done a bunch of good work. And so those those three sources there are really good. What I would urge you to avoid like the plague are screw builds. You'll see techniques for putting them together with screws uh -huh. and weld builds. Good God, there's one guy that plug welds an AK together and reasons that because HK does it, it must be fine on on AKs. And that, that's <laughs> okay. so steer away yeah. from any welding or screwing. So why would you That's say, right. why would you say stay away from the screwing? Explain that one. Um, 
So the way that the AK was designed was with leaded rivets. It's steel, but with a little lead mixed in, and it's it that was how it was designed, and they work reliably that way. Um, and they can stretch and screws. This is true of deck screws, and I'm sure if you put stuff together with wood, you've noticed that nails might pull out a little bit. But we know from my time in earthquake country, you can bend nails a lot, and they won't break. Try bending a screw and a pair of pliers and see what happens. They just shear because they're much, much harder than a nail. Right. And um, that is the issue with screwing an AK together is that the shear, the, if you can imagine like a, a pair of scissors or something cutting a, a thin piece of wire, that's what an AK does to a screw under recoil. And people will say, well, I'll just get stronger bolts that are grade eights. Well, they're even harder. And so you can't. You know, that that's faster and dumber is not not the right way to go right. with that stuff. And and rivets are not that hard to learn. And um, so I would highly encourage. And there's a tool for that. Them. And, and we're going to talk about that. There's a tool too. for that. Yeah, there's a tool for that. Exactly. Um, so those are the big warning signs. And um, so that's those are the dark alleys. And then. The, like I said, those three YouTube resources are good. Another great resource is the Rifle Dynamics Build class. It yeah, is I was going to say there are actually physical classes that you can attend, and the Rifle Dynamics has one of those. Mesa Kinetic Research uh, yep. Events offers yep. one of those. Uh, there's probably several yep. other ones around the country. Yep, yep. And um, so, yep, those are great resources, and you'll learn a lot. Vince certainly knows a ton. Vince and Larry, um, I think, put one on. Larry Vickers. Yep, that's correct. And um, so those are not inexpensive, but at the end, you're going to get a gun that's worth about a grand, and um, you're going to get a whole bunch of education. And so if you and figure that's the that you're key, paying, though, I mean, you're getting the education. And yeah, that's right. And so you can expend to pay, expect to pay about two grand for one of these three day classes, but I think they're well worth it. I understand they're expensive, but um, good things cost money. Um, there's a much cheaper option. Um, there's a, a guy who used to be very active on forums and I haven't seen him around in a long time, but he goes by the handle gun plumber and he's T Mark Graham out of Arizona response systems. And, uh, you can find him easily on the internet and he has a bunch of free resources, but for 70 or 80 bucks, he sells a three DVD set plus a book that I don't agree with everything in there. Um, like there are, this will be getting into the weeds, but there's something called dim dimpling, um, that he doesn't believe in. And instead he uses a countersink. And to me, that's, that's not a good idea. Um, but if you take the good, which is probably 70 or 80%, in my opinion, um, the stuff I agree with, um, and mix it with other stuff, you get some really powerful techniques. And so you can do a lot worse than to spend the 80 bucks or whatever it is now, to get his DVD set. Um, and like I said, take the good, leave the rest. And he is set up for production. So some of his techniques, um, are not going to be great for beginners, but it's, it's easily the best value, um, dollar for dollar that you'll get anywhere, okay. uh, for education. Very good. Um, Andrew, do you have any, um, anything to add to that? No, what Brian said is uh, absolutely correct. Uh, we highly recommend Rifle Dynamics course to a lot of our customers. That's a great one. And, uh, I mean, there is there is a lot of good uh, build resources, as he mentioned, on YouTube. But YouTube has been really uh, 
cutting back on them. I guess they've been shutting down a lot of channels. I yeah. know Shoots was doing a good one for a while, and uh, that's been getting shut down. So um, if you really want to oh, do it yourself and do it the proper way, then invest in a good build class. Who's, yep, who, I built my after some really horrible first attempts. Well, maybe first, second, and third attempts. I coughed up the money for the RD class, and I've been off and running ever since. I actually, the other guy who was, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his name, but the AK guy, Brandon Herrera. We were in the same build class together at RD, and so mm-hmm. I think, yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 launched both of us pretty well, I'd say. So can't say enough good about that. And then, of course, for the the analog minded, uh, as in our last episode of the Talking Lead podcast, you know, we had uh, the League of Pirates on, and he's talking about how analog he is. Um, you've got books. I mean, there's the old fashioned way. You know, people still write books and put books out, and uh, I'm sure there's uh, tons and tons of books out there. Uh, but books are, you know, a perfectly viable solution too, and there are all kinds of um, uh, smithing books out there for AK 47s too. I mean, I don't even know where to begin on that, but just do the Google search and I'm sure you'll come up with some. Actually one that I just found recently through Robert Forbes, who we'll get into in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget exactly what the website is called, but if you search for the name, John Baum, um, Bravo alpha uniform, um, Mike. mama, Mike, thank you, Mike. Um, he has translated a bunch of AK-47 repair manuals from the East German military, and they are loaded with with nerd stuff that's really great. It is a little bit down in the weeds, yeah. um, but if you're looking for concrete answers to questions on, like, how do you really do head spacing, those books are invaluable. Very good. So those would be, I would think, the main ways to go about, and of course... Uh, you know, we have our uh, uh, cache of resources with Brian and uh, with Adam at Century Arms. And, uh, you know, we've got connections with Jim Fuller and, you know, things like that. So you can always email us if you've got questions regarding things. And we can always try to get you pointed in the right direction as well. Heck yeah. You know, I moderate our Instagram channel and often answer technical questions for so- for folks, um, both pertaining to our the parts that we sell and, uh, and not. Yeah. Adam, do you have any uh, comments on the educational part? Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, it's really interesting to see, obviously I've been in this industry a little bit and been fortunate enough to work with some companies that have really been instrumental in bringing the AK market to where it's currently at. Obviously AK has been a prevalent part of the 2A community here for a long time, but I think everybody can agree over the last five, 10 years, we've seen this market just just grow astronomically. You know, it used to be, for instance, for a long time, Century was one of the only guys in the market that was really doing anything in volume. Then you had companies like Palmetto State Armory, uh, Arsenal, all these companies that really got really heavy in the mass production of it. Um, but what I've seen is, as everybody's saying, it's tough to build a good AK if you've never done it before. Uh, from scratch. And I think that's yeah. evident in the fact that how many of these companies, Century, you know, Palmetto, Arsenal, have had issues coming out with, you know, an AK in bulk that didn't have QC issues. It's not a knock on these companies and how hard they're working or their, their commitment to excellence. It's the fact that while this gun's tough to break, it's even tougher to build. 
especially if you don't know exactly what you're doing. You got to remember, there's so many different um, blueprints out there. There's so many different uh, iterations of the blueprint that the fact of the matter is, is unless things are exactly right, you're gonna see issues. Like you said, the tolerances are are, are loose, and, and and it really is just this crazy explosion inside. But in order for all of that to work, that to work. There was hundreds of scientists that were working on this endlessly with a lot of pressure. Let's just say, I'm pretty sure there was probably a lot more pressure than we, we had to deal with at our jobs today to get this thing right back then. And, you know, I think we need to be cognizant of that. And when people want to build this, this isn't an AR. And we talked about this before the show. We don't want to compare the two, but that, that really is the, the mindset that a lot of people go in to this with is that it's going to be like an AR. That, that everything's going to fit the same, that all the parts are universal, that it's just simply a drop-in part. The reality is everything from the, the top cover down a lot of times takes some true fit and finish and, and some uh, true understanding to know what you're doing. And if it's even the slightest bit off, it could cause catastrophic failure. So I think when people are doing this, it's definitely doable, but you're right. You absolutely need to make sure you're doing it the right way, not only to make sure that your hard work doesn't go to waste after a couple rounds, but also to make sure that you and everybody around you when you are uh, using this firearm are safe. So I, I just yeah. think it's really important, you know, that people are cognizant of that. If it, if it takes the time and effort it has for these big companies to to get it right i think that should speak volumes to people that want to do it themselves yep absolutely and you know that that's kind of the myth that we want to bust is that you know this isn't an easy thing to build i mean it can be once you once you educate yourself you know and that you know i think that was a great place for us to start brian so good a uh, good job on starting off with the education portion of that so that is key i Yep. And I, I, I don't want to uh, scare anybody off either, although I don't disagree with anything that I'm just said. Um, but maybe we can put it that uh, like a Glock or an AR are kind of kindergarten and then AKs are kind of, you know, grade school and 1911s are probably high school, college. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there, it's, it's not impossible, but don't expect to be able to trust your life to the first gun you build. It was probably three or four deep before I had one that I really liked. Yeah, and and that's one of the reasons why you know the education part of this is key because I mean it, it could you could kill yourself or somebody else if not done proper. Yep, hundred percent. But again, we're not trying to scare anybody off, you know. So we're just we're just laying the facts out. Uh, picking up a gun can result in killing yourself or somebody else if you're not careful. <laughs> so you, we're all we're, we've already bought the ticket, and now it's time to take the ride. Exactly. It's just a, ha a happy, healthy respect of what you're doing is very important when you're doing yep. this. You know, yep. this isn't something that it's it's not like an AR where things can maybe not fit exactly perfect and it'll still run or you can, you know, slide it in. And no, it, it has to be done right or you're going to have issues. Yep. Very good. Yep. Now, one thing I'd like to. Yeah. Andrew. Uh, one thing I'd like to add to the, uh, the the building portion of it is kind of a game changer. You know, Childers is one of the first to do it. They've started producing 80% lowers that already have the rails installed. They're already heat treated. That was one of the main safety aspects, having to spot weld your rails into your flat after you bent it and properly heat treated. And we also import them from Poland now as 80% with the rails already spot welded in and heat treated. And that kind of makes things a little bit easier than what Brian was used to back when he started the days of the bending the flats and having to properly heat treat your receiver. So it is getting better right now. Would you agree, Brian? 
You know, um, I hundred percent. And, you know, I started looking at flats and decided it was not technically possible in my mind to do a good job in heat treating. And so I never did when I got into it, it was in the days when I found Childers, when they were selling an 80 percenter Polish blank that was pre-heat treated that you still had to weld the rails into, but at least the heat treat was right. And you're completely accurate that I, I just have a note in here. My advice is don't do flats, period. Like there's no good back in the day when you couldn't get a nice 80 percenter or 100 percenter from AOA or Childers. Yeah, that's what you had to do. But I don't think there's any good reason unless you are a metallurgist or you're really good with heat treat to go anywhere near a flat. Would you agree with that? Yes, I completely agree with that. You know, the days of the flats are, you know, are slowly going away at this point. Unless you've already invested thousands of dollars into a heat treating kiln and flat bending die press and all that stuff, you might still want to do it. Sure, sure. That's fair. Yep. Yeah. So let's get into... uh I've got my education now. Now I want to go out and I want to get my parts. I want to start building uh, my AK. And and another thing I want to point out is, you know, no bones about it. I mean, it's going to be cheaper for you to go ahead and go to Century Arms, go to Occam Defense Solutions, go to one of these other AK manufacturers and and buy one already complete. Nine times out of ten, you're going to – it's going to be uh, cheaper. But um, if you want to take this project on, uh, you know, you're doing it for the satisfaction, you know, the self gratitude of, of making something yourself. So where are we going to go and, and find these parts? Oh yeah. What I would have given to have this cheat sheet in 2014, I cannot tell you, man, like I have had some days near tears at in frustration. Cause you'll put all this friggin' work in and then you'll blow it on one little detail, yeah. And you may as well throw the whole kit out. And um, oh yeah, there's nothing more frustrating than that because a yeah. lot of these parts, once you once you commit to installing them, there's no going back. <laughs> yeah. You know, not unless you're skilled, and that's the yeah. Like you can trash a receiver pretty fast. Yeah. Some of the other parts are a little bit harder to wreck, but yeah, like you do like. First gun I ever built, I put in a, uh, at that RD class, I didn't know any better. I should have, but I put the receiver in a vice to hold it in place and I damn near crushed the thing. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm usually not too dumb a dude, but the, you I'm know, surprised like, they didn't smack your hand. Uh, for oh, oh yeah. 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 It, uh, <laughs> The reason you'd want to go through all the headaches of buying a parts kit and, you know, trying to piece together the 922R, the U.S. required parts, and and all that good stuff is, uh, you know, mainly for a piece of history. You know, the stuff we buy is former Cold War era, actual military rifles. You know, it comes with trench art, and you'll find uh, you'll find neat stuff and stuff in the back of the butt plate a lot of times in the butt stock, and, you uh, you know, cost wasn't an issue during production back during these times, so the quality of the parts is extremely high quality. Um, everything, you know, that's all the critical components are hammer-forged steel, and, uh, you know, that's why we through such a great great bit of trouble and expense to have to uh, demilitarize these rifles and import them into the U.S., because a lot of our customers, you know, demand the original military surplus stuff is what they're looking for. And the government, unfortunately, has made it kind of tough on us. It used to be we could import these rifles with the barrels. We would just strip the receiver off and bring the whole thing in, and it was a lot cheaper that way. 
now we actually have to strip the barrel off, and that adds to our cost to uh, demilitarize the parts kits. Oh, wow. And that means you have to get a U.S. barrel now when it gets to the U.S., so you can still buy your parts kit, and then you have to get a U.S. barrel. So that brings me to the different options that we offer. We offer kits that already come with the barrel populated, meaning we, we press the front sight, the gas block, the rear sight, the trunnion, all the components onto the barrel, and we check headspace with both a go gauge, a no-go gauge, and then a live round. And uh, essentially what the builder is going to have to do then is he's going to have to take the trunnion back off the barrel and then rivet it into the receiver and then press the barrel back into the trunnion and align it with the uh, positioning we already had when we uh, headspaced it. So um, I know that's going to sound confusing to a lot of people. Uh, maybe Brian might have a little insight on how to you know, describe it a little bit easier uh, for the average guy to figure out. But uh, it's the... Uh, we offer them in both flavors. You can buy just a bag of parts from overseas exactly the way we imported them or one that we've already started to do some gunsmithing for you on. Yeah, and, and my view on that would be that your first couple uh, guns that you build ought to be vanilla straight ahead. You know, don't throw anything fancy on and just build a good receiver, press the pre-barreled or pre-populated barrel in match that previously done headspace and rock and roll um, barrel population, you know, which is putting the components onto the barrel is actually a fairly advanced technique and can cause a lot of heartache. And uh, so the kits that Andrew sells that are already set up for you um, eliminate a lot of the potential pitfalls. And after you got a couple of those under your belt, you know, then you can start getting wild with combo gas blocks or one of our Mercs or something like that. Um, the Merc actually does make um, population very simple because you just press the barrel into the trunnion, which is the, the part of the receiver that holds the barrel. And then you press a gas block on and that's it. Everything else screws on like an AR. Um, but I think for your first couple of guns, going with one of Andrew's pre-barreled kits is, is where it's at. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So, um, I, you know, I'm Joe Schmo and I'm ordering my first parts kits. Um, what parts are typically included in a kit and what parts am I going to have to go and additionally get? Well, we'll sell, we'll sell a parts kit. Let's assume you're getting one with the barrel. It's going to come with the rifle exactly the way we imported the rifle, where we stripped the receiver off and we left everything else in there for you. Unless you're in a state where you can't own the uh, full auto parts, then we'll pull those out to protect you. Uh, but you're not going to have any of your U.S. required parts besides the barrel. So you're, you're short five U.S. parts at that point when you get the parts kit. We are offering packages now to make it easier for people to have all the stuff you need. But um, just assume you're going to need you're going to need to get a U.S. trigger group, and that's going to be a semi-automatic trigger group, and that's going to make it, you know, compliant when you build it and also give you three U.S. parts. And uh, along with your barrel that you're going to get with the kit, you've already got four parts. So for your last two parts, that gives you a lot of options. You can buy a U.S. 80% receiver from Childers. Uh, you can buy a U.S. muzzle slant device or any type of muzzle brake you want to put on there, a U.S. Hogue pistol grip or Magpul furniture. I mean, it's, there's a there's a lot of possibilities to get your uh, U.S. parts you need for the six parts. Yeah, and what you're and talking that, about on that 922R compliance, just real quick, I want to touch on that. Uh, we did do an episode on this in season one, so go back. That's part seven of season one. We go into uh, detail on the 922R uh, compliance, but 
uh, what Andrew and Brian are talking about is that um, it's the importation laws when they're importing these AKs from these other countries. Um, it's five. It's five parts, right? That have to be once they uh, import them in, disassemble them and everything. Uh, when you reassemble them, five of those parts of that AK have to be U.S. made. Is that correct? Assuming you had a U.S. barrel, we would just say six U.S. parts. Okay. Okay. Um, and the barrel is, is something I have a question about, too. I didn't realize that. So so it's illegal to use a foreign barrel? Is that what? Well, you're not supposed to use the original barrel that was with the uh, was in the rifle at the time of importation. So, this unfortunately was done during the Bush era. They put a ban on the uh, on the barrels coming in, and I guess that was to kind of you know stem the parts kits from coming in and people doing home builds. I'm assuming was their goal on that, um, but it, it just kind of made things. It helped U.S. production because they could start manufacturing U.S. AK barrels, and it just makes things a little bit more difficult unless you buy a headspace kit. But, uh, yes, essentially we have to strip the barrels or destroy the barrels, torch cut them. We can no longer bring a barrel in from overseas uh, attached to a parts kit or even separate from the parts kit. Oh, wow. Used ones are... Okay, I didn't realize that. That's that's uh, news to me. So Yeah, it's my understanding that because they're a machine gun, once they've been used in a machine gun, they're polluted as if they're a machine gun. Is that <laughs> roughly correct, Andrew? <laughs> they're polluted. That, that's correct. That's a, good way, that's a good way to look at it. Okay. I mean, the whole thing's insane, but, yeah, but you know. Yeah, it is. So the 922R says it shall be unlawful for any person to assemble from imported parts any semi-automatic rifle shotgun, which is identical to any rifle or shotgun prohibited from importation under Section 925D3 of this chapter and not being particularly suitable for or readily adaptable to sporting purposes except that this Subsection shall not apply to the assembly of any such rifle or shotgun for sale or distributions by licensed manufacturer to the U.S. or any department or agency thereof or to any state or any department agency or political subdivision thereof or the assembly of any such rifle or shotgun for the purpose of testing or experimentation authorized by attorney general. So home kits do apply to this, so you do have to comply with the the 922R. And it's it's rifles only. It's not pistols. So if it's a pistol kit, what are we looking at? So you're entirely right. If it's a pistol kit, we can import AK AK pistols without doing anything to them. They can come in with all the you know evil nasty features, is what we'd say. <laughs> and uh, you don't have to uh, you don't have to add any U.S. parts to them. And you can simply throw an arm brace on it, and then you've got something that's a uh, hundred percent built overseas that hasn't been uh, uh, polluted. There's nothing wrong with a lot of the newer 922R options out there. They've, they've drastically improved, so you can still get good 922R parts, but the, uh, the pistol is much easier to deal with for importing in a complete firearm form. Okay, very good. So back back to the rifle kits here, because that's what we want to focus on. Uh, and so we were talking about the, the parts. So you said the trigger group, and that'll get three of your parts. Uh, the the barrel, of course, is going to be a U.S. barrel uh, when they're buying your kits. Um, what else did I miss? Did we already talk about the other ones? Yeah, we can use, you can go the route of the receivers as an option, or you can just simply go furniture. A lot of people like to get furniture, like from Magpul or Hogue pistol grips, uh, 
muscle devices. J-Mac makes some great ones. Yeah. I mean, you've got a lot of... Uh, U.S. Palm's got some grips pop. now. Yeah. Yeah, U.S. Palm also. Yeah, U.S. Palm makes furniture. So um, it's, it's very easy to get your six U.S. parts. You have a lot of different options to go about doing it. And does a magazine count as a rifle part? Yes, magazine counts as three parts, believe it or not. So oh. if you're using a U.S. magazine... You, all you simply need is your U.S. trigger group. Only reason I didn't mention that is a lot of people are, are you know, prefer the foreign mags, the for, foreign surplus steel mags. So yeah. most people will adapt their rifle to shoot the surplus stuff. Very good. So there's um, another trick you can use if you use Andrew Sell's Polish hammer forged barrels that are virgin and are unthreaded. Um, and you, you, if you want to go original with furniture. You can start to run into issues if you include the mag in your count. If you want to use foreign mags, there's a common trick to swap out the foreign piston for a U.S. piston. And that yes. can be a way to keep your furniture and your original grip and all that. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind when you're doing your counts. You can you can run into what you think is an unsurmountable math problem until you know that trick. So that would be the only thing I'd add there. Nope, that's a good point. And they now make U.S. adjustable gas pistons, so there's a lot of, uh, there is some advantages to switching the gas piston out now. Okay. But uh, you had mentioned, you know, the another reason why people would want to build these is, you know, historical. And, you know, it's very important to a lot of people to, to make sure that their serial numbers are all matching. Talk about that. Yep. So when we purchase these rifles overseas, they come in different categories. There's a there's a total of four categories generally. You have one which would be an unissued rifle that was brand new. We rarely find category one rifles anymore. Category two would be a lightly used rifle. Category three would be kind of a well used rifle but still in good condition, serviceable. And then category four is you know a piece of junk that's rusted out pretty much. So we don't ever touch category fours. Category three will be the lowest category we import, and uh, we take uh, you know great pride in keeping the parts together overseas in the original configuration, how the rifle originally came. So we'll actually have the guys in Romania, for instance, that are demilling these things, have totes, and they'll put every single part from each rifle they demil on a tote, and they'll they'll go through a lot of pain to match everything up and keep it together and put it in the bag and mark it, and uh, people will definitely. Uh, prefer a matching number parts kit does it really matter or does it you know does it does it have any type of effect on the functionality of the rifle not really as long as we keep it together and it's the same way it came from overseas your head spacing it to a new barrel anyway but it'll probably make the build a little bit easier for you to have a matching number kit if it was mixed mixed uh, mixed match of parts from different rifles would you agree with that brian as far as building goes the matching kits were a little easier for you yeah, definitely. And the only um, the only thing that, in addition to what you've said, that I like about matching number kits is that the bolt has been lapped through wear into being a very tight fit or close match with the trunnion locking lugs. And um, the, 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 the tighter those are matched, the lower the pressure on the metal parts and uh, or on those faces. And so you just get... Um, better performance with headspace staying in in spec longer because if they're mismatched, that that metal will start to peen a little bit, and the headspace will necessarily grow until those surfaces come to match each other. 
Um, so that, that would be the only thing that I really would say I like more about a matching kit um, that, that really, really matters to me. But yeah, we do a fair amount of fitting as all the armories do on the new parts kits we have um, to make sure that everything matches well. And we do a lot of lapping and polishing and, you know, the stuff we do just to a trigger guard on a new kit is, is quite extensive. And when you get a used kit, that's already been done for you. So there's, there's a lot of upside to going with used. Okay. Very good. Now, I agree. And even if you buy a non-matching kit from us, it's still going to come the way it came originally overseas as a functional rifle. The arsenal at some point, you know, somebody lost the bolt or changed it out or, you know, damaged it and they put a new bolt in and the arsenal refit the bolt. So you're still, we're never going to give you a piece, you know, a thing that's just thrown together for random parts if you get a non-matching kit from us. Okay. Now uh, you get, you know, you get these kits, uh, from from all over the world, uh, what would you say? You know, if I'm a first time buyer, you know, should I be looking at a Romanian? Should I be looking at a Polish? Should I be looking at um, maybe another country? You know, a kit from another country. What what's your recommendation I on that? East Germans from Andrews over the time as well. Um, yes, yeah, Andrews are mostly East German, Polish. And, um, oh gosh. And Romanian that, that by volume, is that the vast majority of what you see? Yes. All you're going to see in the future right now, you know, we're lucky to even get something from Romania, but the, uh, Romanians, what I'd recommend for a first time builder, the Romanian quality is excellent quality. I mean, their machining was a little bit cruder. It wasn't as perfect as, as East Germans or the Polish. They did finer machine. It seems like, but as far as, you know, the functional and the, and the quality of the uh, the parts itself, you know, there's nothing wrong with Romanian, and the price point on the Romanian is much lower than anything else you'll find. So, uh, for a first time build, that's the way to go. I'd recommend. Okay. What about Yugoslavian or Egyptian? We don't really like the Yugoslavian stuff, not because of a quality issue, but because of the compatibility with you know almost all the stuff on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, the Yugos did their own thing, and you know they have different specs different thickness receivers and you know bulge trunnions and you'll have to find special parts for you know a yugo rifle and it's harder to get furniture for it so uh, that's kind of why we stay away from the yugo stuff and we stick with the uh, common russian platform that way okay good point 100 percent. yep all right so i've got my kit now ordered my kit um now, I assume that you guys sell the additional parts on your website that I would need to do a, a complete build. You got the receiver, you got the barrels. If I didn't get a barreled one, you've got uh, the furniture and all that stuff. Do you, is that accurate? That's correct, yeah. And we even have a 100% receiver, so if you don't want to mess with one of our 80% that has the rails in it that's already heat-treated, we have receivers that are already ready to go, and we just send that to your local FFL gun shop. And uh, you'll just do a transfer and pick it up, and I won't have to worry about doing a lot of the finishing work on the receiver. Let's talk about that now that you brought it up. Uh, you know, eighty percent, and uh, as far as the AR, how do the eighty percent on an AK differ than an eighty percent on a on an AR? I would. My opinion is they're much easier to work with than an eighty percent on an AR. The only thing you're missing. On an, for the newer 80% we carry now are simply you know, the access pin holes for the trigger and hammer and the safety selector lever hole and notch. I mean, you still have to drill your trunnion holes, but that's better to get a receiver 
put out the holes and drill it yourself anyway if you wanted to match up perfectly. Um, but I would, I, I'd like to hear Brian's opinion on it. But I think it's much easier to work with a AK eighty percent receiver versus an AR lower that's eighty percent. Absolutely, there's two very fine jigs. Um, one is made by Robert Forbus at robertforbus.com. He's fairly old school. He's this wonderful old retired, well, semi-retired machinist. This is his retirement job is making beautiful handmade tooling. And then there's AK Builder. The AK Builder one is much more affordable. will absolutely do the job. You simply take the 80% receiver, drill three holes, do a little filing, and you are done. And, um, nice. yeah, it's, it's, it's how I started off, although I would definitely recommend going 100% for your first couple guns. As I say, the reason I got into the whole thing in the first place was to have a legal, unregistered gun that the government didn't know anything about. And um, so doing 80%ers long-term is highly recommended, but – but in the short term, going with one of Andrew's hundred percenters is is a really good option. Okay. So uh, now that I've got all my parts, um, let's talk about the tools. Good transition to tools now. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Let's do that. So uh, now that I've got all the parts, uh, you know, I don't want to get into this and find out that I'm going to have to, you know, I need this tool or I need that tool. What do I need to have ready to go when I've got my kit? Well, most people like to do the press, like to use a press to uh, do most of the uh, the gunsmithing. So let's just assume you buy one of the headspace parts kits we have that already has a barrel that's populated. You'll still have to press the trunnion off the barrel and rivet it into the receiver. So uh, you you can either go to talk tool and get a tabletop method if you don't have access to a shop press, but it's easier just to buy you know a Harbor Freight twelve ton press. And, uh, you know, that's essentially the one tool you need to have if you're going to be building AKs is a is access to a press, in my opinion. And then from there, you have a lot of different options for attachments you can get for uh, components that go onto the barrel and, and uh, compress the barrel, barrel the barrel fixtures on. And, uh, I mean, as far as uh, we're not talking about, you know, doing receivers, so we will exclude the receiver tooling since we're talking about 80%. So uh, AK Builder is a great resource. We carry pretty much all AK Builder's tools. And uh, we also carry a Requiem Arms, makes a bunch of tools that we carry on our website. We'll have all the tools, and we'll give you a package that kind of explains everything you need. We do have a, you know, a one-stop package that comes with the kit and the barrel and the, all the tools you need to build it, so you don't have to try to figure everything out. Okay, cool. So um, detail-wise, you know, as far as, pieces you know you talked about the hydraulic uh press uh you can get you said you can get one of those at harbor freight what kind of price are we talking about on one of those typically i think those Depends. go on sale generally for about a hundred dollars is that right brian yeah if, if you're a very savvy coupon shopper yeah 120 130 um if they're not on sale you know somewhere between 130 and 200 wait till black um, friday and get a good deal <laughs> yeah, there's Harbor Freight does some really weird coupon stuff. And so, yeah, you can you can score. Um, and that's the only truth be told, that's almost the only tool that you really, really have to buy. Um, when I first got into AK building, I was uh, farming commercially and not making much money. Um, so I was I had a stick welder and an old mill and uh, that I'd gotten for a grand. But you don't even really need that. If if you know somebody with a welder, you can go a very long way. Um, 
with fabricator skills um, in making the tooling. And um, there are a lot of good YouTube videos on that. Um, however, I will say that as soon as I got the money, I, I bought the tooling. And, and between Robert Forbus and AK Builder, um, you, you can get everything you need there. But at a minimum, um, you need some way to crush the rivets uh, that in the uh, in the front and rear trunnions and uh, the AK Builder tool. If you're going to buy one tool, Andrew, how much are those? Like 130, 200, somewhere in there. The AK Builder rivet tools are about 250 dollars. So they're they're a little pricey, but they're high. I mean, they're high quality, professional quality. So uh, if you plan on building a couple, you know that's a good investment. And a lot of times you can buy the tool and use too if you find someone that's getting rid of the uh, getting rid of their set when they're done building. Yep, they hold their value quite well, um, and that's sort of a required piece of kit. I I built mine at first, and then as soon as I had two pennies to rub together, uh, I I went out and bought theirs. There's another tool that you need to crush the trigger guard rivets. That one is more easily made by hand. Um, the AK Builder version, I believe, is about seventy dollars, and it, it's a little hard to describe what it looks like, but it's it's sort of like a cinder block shape with a slot cut out and um, you just slide that thing into all of these work inside the hydraulic press. You slide this tool onto the press plate and um, use the piston to, to actuate it. Um, and then you need an attachment to press the barrel pin in and out on the hydraulic press. The way I did it at the start, which is pretty poor boy is I actually drilled a hole into the, the, the piston on the press <clears throat> and just stuck a quarter inch pin in there. And, um, and kind of just went for it. Um, but the tooling from Robert Forbus or AK Builder, AK Builder, I think, sells one for the 12-ton press. Robert Forbus sells them for the 12 and the 20 and others uh, customized to your press for not very much money. Um, let's see. I think those are sort of the three. Oh, you need a barrel pusher outer. Um, Is that Robert the name of the tool? <laughs> barrel that's, pusher that's outer? That's technical term. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Robert, I think makes the best one. I, I don't know if AK Builder makes one, um, but it's just a, a rod of a particular shape that helps you to press the barrel from the backside out. My first one was a chunk of, of uh, square tubing that I welded a bolt into, and then I stuck a penny on the, on the breech side of the barrel and would press them out that way. So that's another one that you can fabricate up on your own pretty easily. Now, I noticed on your site, um, Andrew, Arms of America, you've got a like a, a kit, a, a tool kit, startup DIY AK Builder tool kit, and it looks like it's got all these parts, all these tools that you need to get started um, for like five hundred bucks. Yep. That's the package I referenced. Yep, that'll that'll get you going with everything you need. And uh, you know, a lot of guys are like, why am I going to spend this? You know, if I'm only going to build one AK, you know, if you're only going to build one, maybe it doesn't make sense. But it's kind of addictive. I mean, look at Brian, for instance. You know, after you build one, you got to build, you know, five, ten more. So you'll eventually get your money out of it over time. Well, yeah, it's just like the AR. I mean, I I went in building my first AR, thinking, you know, I'm, you know, I'll just build one. But after I did it, you know, ten ARs later, you know, there I am. So. Uh, well, and, and Marty, I think, you know, would you say that you understand the rifle much, much better now that you've built one and how to fix them once you've built them? No, absolutely. You know, and that's the part of the education that, you know, if you're getting into this for, you know, the fun, the satisfaction of it, it's also you're going to get education out of it because you're going to appreciate, 
your gun a whole lot more and you're going to understand it a whole lot more. So as you're going through and you're putting it together piece by piece, if you've got a malfunction or something that's not acting right, you're going to be able to, to, to pinpoint it a little easier, a little faster. Uh, and then not only that, but be able to fix it yourself also. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the educational yeah. part of this goes far beyond just learning how to build it. I mean, you're going to learn how to uh, repair it and maintain it and keep it up. And as you, uh, progress, upgrade it, you know, as you get into upgrading and putting, you know, better parts, if you, if you want to go that route with it. So, yeah. Yep. And I, that's, that's kind of where I would go is that education for education's sake is great, but ev- education in, in the goal of becoming a better rifleman and a more competent human being is even better. And, uh, this hundred percent will get you there. Yeah. And, and even if you, I mean, if, if you're thinking about building one, I'm sure you've got friends out there that are probably interested in building an AK also that are in your area, you know, go in together and buy one of these kits and, you know, there'll be nothing that way, you know, split it up three different ways or something. And then, uh, uh, you know, it's well worth the investment that way. Heck yeah. I mean, there's nothing better than, no, go ahead. It's a, it's a fun get-together, yeah. AK build groups used to be real popular back in the day. I'm not sure how, you know, I know certain states like California, you know, frown upon it and they crack down on it. But, uh, you know, all guys, three, four guys get together, split the tooling and, and uh, you know, hang out in the garage for the night. And, uh, you know, you'll you'll learn a lot that way. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. no different than your wife getting together with her cronies and them having the, you know, the Tupperware parties or the the pampered chef parties or the... Uh, what do they call the sex toy parties? I don't know if they yeah. call those <laughs> surprise parties. <laughs> so, you know, have an AK party, you know? Yeah, yeah. The The reason that there was sort of a 2A activist movement for a while where people would host build parties to build 80 percenters. And um, it would be it wouldn't even be friends. Somebody would just say, hey, if you want to build an AK, come to this garage on this day. And the press got wind of it. And that's what what ended up uh, nuking the large-scale 2A protest movement there. Um, not that they still don't happen, but they're a lot more under wraps now. Yeah. Well, I mean, and they're perfectly legal, you know, so there's nothing wrong with you doing that and having those parties if you want to If you want to do that. Um, so do them, have them. I, I encourage them. But if you want some, you know, if you like Brian, if you want blowback um, – you might want to keep it if you don't want the blowback. You might want to keep it under wraps a little bit, but uh, yeah, there are a, a lot of ranges that also have these. So you check your local range uh, and in gun store too, because I know that there are a couple here in our area that will have these classes offered periodically uh, locally too. So uh, that's always an option for you for the for the educational part of it. This episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner Season 2 is brought to you in part by Occam Defense. The guys at Occam loved the AK, but didn't love burning their hands, getting cut by their pre-sharpened gun, or the lack of options for accessories. After spending a few years in the lab, they've recently released the ODS 1775, which brings the best of the AR family to the Kalashnikov's reliability. It's still an AK under the hood. AK mags, forged Polish AK parts, but with American aerospace manufacturing practices and ingenuity. Check them out at OccamDefense.com or on Instagram at OccamDefenseSolutions. So, uh, tools. So we talked about our tools. 
where does that where does that bring us now on our agenda here? Well, it takes us to lost. A, a, maybe a brief discussion of rivets, and uh, then if we have time, getting after it, sort of a, a brief overview of of how you actually build one of these. Yeah, let's do that. So let's let's get into the rivet part of it because that's something that I have no experience with whatsoever, and rivets kind of um, they they freak me out a little bit. So let's talk about rivets. Yeah, making friends with rivets is it takes a little time, and um, AK Builder sells, and I I bet that AOA sells these as well. Uh, makes a a little tool to drill out the bad rivets, and so you'll get lots of opportunities to drill out rivets that aren't so great. Um, but you know, even if a rivet doesn't look real pretty, there's a lot of ways to make them safe, even if they're not cosmetically maybe as pretty as they could be. But the the basic idea with rivets is that it's a very soft alloy of steel. You know, it's somewhere in the Rockwell B scale for the nerds out there who know what that means. But basically, if you whacked one with a hammer, it would smush pretty good. And um, so the the general idea of these is that you drill a hole through the receiver. Let's just talk about the front trunnion. You yeah. drill a hole through the receiver where the hole already exists in the trunnion. And then you drop one of these rivets in and they look like a nail basically to be to be blunt about it. Um, they've got a round head, <clears throat> excuse me, a round head on them normally, and then a longer a shank that drops through. And then on the AK builder stuff, I'll just stick to that. Um, there's generally a cup of some sort that the head of the rivet sits in, and then you form what's called the shop tail, um, which is another, you squish, the end that you mushroom is, is called the shop tail. And there's a tool with regard to the front trunnion that you stick down the bore and you smush this thing into a particular shape. And as it's smushing, it widens out and fills. When it when you drop it in, it doesn't quite fill the hole, right? You can still get it in there. It's a loose fit. When you go and you start to squish the the end of the rivet, it's it first gets wider before it smushes into this shop tail um, mushroom shape on the other side. Fills that hole up, snugs everything nice and tight, one critical aspect of riveting is that the two metals that you're riveting together will never be closer together when you start riveting than after. So if you start with the two pieces of metal with a big gap between them, you're going to get an even bigger gap when you're done. So one of the most critical things is to get a nice fit before you even start riveting where your receiver is is filed and tuned or the or the trunnion is filed and tuned the two of them made up nicely together and you want them to be in very close contact when you go and do that smush and if you do all that life will be really grand. Is that a good summation there Andrew? Yeah, no, that was, that was an excellent way to uh, explain the rivet process. Uh, there's one other tool we have, um, you know, for guys that don't have a press. It's, I don't know, you know, a lot of people frown upon it. Eventually it'll break after you build a couple rifles, but it's essentially, they're like the heads of a bolt cutter tool, basically, but they're hollowed out, you know, for the rivets. And uh, that you basically just buy a regular Walmart uh, bolt cutter set remove the bolt cutter heads and you can stick these jaws on. We call them, they're called rivet jaws. They're made by Requiem Arms and Toft Tool. And they can do essentially the rivets besides the long rivet and the trigger guard rivets. Um, you can manually do them by hand that way. Nice. Okay. That's a good, good tip. Um, oh, shit, I should have had a question about the rivets. Oh, so with, with the part kits, do rivets, are those included 
or a rivet something that you're going to need to buy extra of? We'll have a package, you know, where we can throw the rivets in, but the rivets are destroyed overseas when the rifle's demilled, so we don't generally, uh, you know, just sell the rivets. We don't throw the rivets in. We sell them for a couple dollars extra, and uh, we have rivets that are imported from Poland, and we also have the AK Builder U.S. rivets, and, uh, you know, it's you don't, you want to use new rivets, obviously, anyway. There's no way to salvage them when you take them apart. Sure, sure. But you do include those in the kits, or that's something that they need to... As I buy the kit, I'm going to also need to buy rivets. You'll have to get a package that comes with the rivets or just buy them separately. Okay. And uh, both AOA and AK Builders sell ones. I believe you guys sell the prepackaged ones from AK Builders. Is that right, Andrew? That's correct. Yep. So um, depending on the variant of AK that you're building, and for your first gun, I, I would not recommend doing anything except a straight-ahead AKM. Um, but if you go to AK Builder and maybe AOA, I'm not sure, you can get different assortments, like an underfolder has a different assortment of rivets than for a straight ahead Woodstock AKM. I would hardly, highly recommend getting at least two sets because you're going to drop half of them on the floor. You're going to screw a few <laughs> up. You know, you're going to put the, the wrong rivet in the wrong place at first, but there's, oh gosh, four or five different types for an AKM. There's um, some eight millimeter, there are four millimeters in diameter, eight millimeters long that go in the front four slots on an AKM. And then there are some that are countersunk in the rear two rivet holes for the front trunnion. And um, you actually swage um, or dimple, you take a, a pencil shaped um, piece of steel and you actually bend the receiver down into the countersunk hole and then drop in a rivet that has a complementary countersink on it to make a really strong sandwich of metal. So that's the second type. When you go to rivet the trigger guard on moving rearward, the front four rivets of the trigger guard are the same as the front four rivets on the front trunnion. Those use a special fixture, but they squish the same way. They take about 3000 pounds a piece to squish, which sounds like a lot, but it's almost nothing. It's pretty easy. Then there's a six mil, the a regular rivet, but it's only it's a shorty. It's only six millimeters long. That goes in the back of the trigger guard, and then in the rear, there are two very long rivets um, that you will either love or hate. Um, that you just drop through the entire gun, and you support on one end and squish on the other. And uh, depending on how you set it up, they're either the easiest rivet or the hardest rivet you've ever done. And uh, opinions vary widely on that one. No, he's right on that. You know, and you can get a special tool for the long rivets also. I think a lot of guys will just use a, uh, you know, will just make something with a punch and a hammer to do the long rivets. I've seen a lot of, that's generally something people do homemade method on. Is that right, Brian? You know, the, the, the rig that you sell there is my favorite um, because it clamps all the metals together. The, uh, the AK Builder riveting jig that expensive one it has the trapeze setting on it so one of them looks is a cantilever that can it has two setups in one jig you're actually getting two for one there's a a cantilever piece that sticks out that you can squ squish the inside rivets on on the front trunnion and then you take that cantilever out and put in this thing that looks like a trapeze and that clamps everything together and then has a, a set of forming dies that that help you along there. And um, that's my personal favorite way to do it. But I'm sure people have hand swaged them in the in the in the manner in which you speak. 
So now that we've we got our rivets, do we have everything compiled now? We've got our tools, we've got our kit, we've got additional parts. Is there anything else that we're going to need that's not um, that we haven't talked about yet before we get into actually assembling our AK? There, there are a couple hand files that you're going to want. Um, a brown scotch Bright pad is really useful. Assorted other little shop tools like a Dremel mm-hmm. are really good. There's a tool that Vince Buckles uses. Um, he's the only guy that I'm aware of. I think he originated this technique. Dremel makes what they call a tile cutting bit. Mm-hmm. Um, like, your, like your kitchen tile. Yeah. And it's this funny drill bit looking thing, except instead of flutes, it has burrs all over it. It has kind of a checkerboard pattern. And he uses that thing to cut out the, um, when he's rebarreling, this is not, this is an intermediate to advanced technique, but he uses it in a whole bunch of places, but I've found it really useful. If my rivet holes don't match up very, very nicely, if they're really off, I'll use that thing. But I will tell you that it's more of a chainsaw than a scalpel. (laughs) <laughs> um, and you need a, you know, there's dudes that can do wonderful things with chainsaws, but you can also do some real mayhem. So it's, 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 it's the reason I bring it up is that it's five bucks and it's immensely powerful, but it can, uh, yeah, it can do some damage too. Yeah, you could do some damage real quick with it if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yep. All right. So we've got, we've got everything we need to, to uh, start building our AK 47 here. So let's. Let's logically go through the process. I've got all this stuff. Where to start um, with my build kit? How to how to start assembling my AK? Of course, you want to get in a nice workspace area. Yep, yep. Oh, and I forgot two last pieces of critical safety equipment are a go and a no go gauge. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew, point. do you sell those? We we do. They're hard to, for some reason. They're hard for us to get in wholesale and supply. So we're generally out, but we'll send people to Brownells to get them or Amazon or AK builder if we're out of them. But yep. uh, yeah, that is an essential thing to have as a go and a no go. And yep. gentlemen, I hate to, in, I hate to interrupt this. Um, I have to run in for a quick appointment. I got my, I hurt my knee and I'm playing sports and have to run in and get my MRI results real quick. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I can bring it home for you here, Andrew, if that's okay with Marty. Good. Yeah. Just real quick, Andrew, um, uh, tell everybody where they can uh, find you. Yep, you guys can find us online. The website is just www.armsofamerica.com, and uh, we'll take care of all your parts kit needs, your tool needs, and uh, you know we're we're obviously pretty knowledgeable, so we can answer some basic questions also. And we really appreciate you, Marty, having us on the show, and thank you, Brian, uh, for the recommendation. Also, uh, we'd be glad to answer any questions anyone else has that listened and uh, has any uh, additional things we could help with. Very good. We appreciate you taking the time to be on. We look forward to having you on in the near future, and we'll probably see you at SHOT Show, right? Yes, please do. Yeah, we'll be at Fabrica Brony's uh, booth. We're going to be representing it for them. They might send one person out to work with us, but we'll have some neat stuff there. So come by, and you'll see a lot of different AKs from all over the place that we'll have. Very cool. Check them out, guys. Arms of America. So we talked about all the parts that we need, right? Uh, Yeah, we got all the parts we need. The go, no go. So just real quick, you know, just remind our listeners, Brian, again, the importance of that that go, no go gauge. Yeah, sure. So this is uh, not known to AR. You, you don't run into this very often um, because in an AR, what's called the headspace is built in by design into the barrel and into the bolt. 
But in an AK, the headspace is set just a little bit differently. And what the headspace is, is is the distance between the bolt face where the uh, rear of the cartridge sits and the um, the neck where it, it tapers down right at the end there. And um, the guns are designed to have a certain amount of wiggle room in there. Obviously, if if you made it too tight, the bolt wouldn't be able to close and the gun would fire partially out of battery, which is very dangerous. So if, if the headspace is too tight, the locking lugs, the two faces of the bolt that screw in don't have enough purchase. They're, they're only partially screwed in. And what that means is that a whole lot of pressure, a whole lot of force is going backward on a very small area that, and, and pressure is force over area. So what that can do is kind of blow out those lugs. And, and there have been failures, um, mostly on U.S. guns, um, where those lugs weren't strong enough to take it. Um, now, that's, that's if the headspace is too tight. If the headspace is too loose, it can cause the case to rupture if there's too, too much room between the rear of the cartridge and the front of the cartridge and that steel isn't supported. It can blow open and blow gas and other stuff back in your face. And from what I understand, it can also give the bolt a, a running start where it, it, it builds up speed and starts slamming into those locking lugs over and over again and eventually cause them to shatter, blowing the bolt carrier and the bolt and all kinds of debris back into your face. Mm. And there are numerous photos of these accidents on the web. Yeah. And so we don't want to be those guys. Absolutely. And, and so in order to make sure that when we make a gun that's safe, that is safe, we will check and a go gauge as the name implies should go. Meaning that when you put a go gauge in and this thing just looks like a little solid bullet or cartridge without the bullet on it, it's, it's basically most of the cartridge itself. Mm -hmm. And that thing is set very precisely at 1.252 inches. And, um, when ideally, we want a little bit of force required to close on a go. The East Germans say it should be 10 to 20 kilograms. So that's 20 to 40 pounds roughly when you push on the back of the bolt carrier with no recoil spring um, and you just push it straight forward. It should take some real resistance to close. That's under ideal conditions. You don't want to set it tighter than that. The other gauge is the no-go gauge. And just like the name says, and they're usually painted red or have a little red mark on them or they're labeled no-go. I think those are sitting at one, two, five, seven or five, eight. Um, you don't want to be able to close with the same amount of force. So 20 to 40 pounds pressed on the rear of the bolt carrier. You shouldn't be able to get that bolt to close all the way. Now, if you, that is just for manufacture. If after you've shot a few thousand rounds through the thing and it closes on a no-go, that does not mean that it's dangerous. That just means you're through half of the useful life. There's another gauge called a field gauge, and that is double that. It's sitting up another 6,000, something like 1.65 or something. Don't quote me on that, but it's quite a bit bigger. If a gun will close on a field gauge, it means it's going to get, it's getting ready to grenade on you. Okay. And so... Yeah. So, the, but when we're manufacturing these, we just care about that go, no go. And in the case of Andrew's pre-barreled kits, they've already been headspaced. They've already drilled. So after this, after the barrel's been pressed in the correct amount in order to keep it there, 
we cross pin, we drill across the barrel through the trunnion and put a pin in there to lock it in place. And Andrew has already done all that work. And then he, he ships the gun to you with that or the, the kit with the trunnion on it and the barrel pin in. And the first thing you do is push that barrel pin out and take the trunnion out. And when at the very end, when you push the barrel back in, you just push it to that same location, push the pin back in. And the go and the no-go gauges are just there as a double check that you've done your job. So this this might sound really complicated, but in the end, you push it back to the same spot, you check that your gauges are good, and then you push your pin in, and yeah. you're good to go. Yeah, And we've talked about this on some prior episodes, but it's very important, the uh, the head spacing and the, the go, no-go gauge would be an essential uh, piece of kit that you want to have on hand, so... Just, yep. The, there are people who will put a piece of tape on the back of a cartridge and use that as a no-go. And I'm here to tell you that's a really expensive way to save money. <laughs> exactly. Don't go on the cheap on that one. Definitely not. Yep. Yep. All right. So now now um, we uh, re-educated on go, no-go. We've got everything, got all our parts, got all our tools, and we want to. we're going to make our first AK-47. Where do we, Where do we start with all this stuff? So we're going to take our receiver and our front trunnion and we're going to put those in. There's a, there's a jig that allows you to um, grab the front trunnion by its nose and you get that all squared up under a drill press ideally. And there's other ways to do this, but I don't want to talk about the ways that I don't, that I don't agree with. So I'm just going to say about the way I like to do it. And we do all this on a mill with that's really precise, but a good drill press will get you here on this one. So you grab the trunnion by its snout and you line up the holes that are already there with the drill bit. So we're going to do one hole at a time here. And so we're going to hold the trunnion kind of sideways by the, by the nose. And we're going to line up a five thirty seconds drill bit with the hole. And we're going to clamp this jig down so that when we go down with the drill bit, it goes down through the pre-existing hole in the trunnion. We're then going to slide on the sheet metal receiver and clamp it in place so that the front edge of the receiver is at the front of the trunnion and then we're going to recut that hole through the sheet metal with the 530 seconds uh, drill we're then going to move on to the next hole <clears throat> set up the same way except this time in addition to the clamp you're going to drop a rivet in that first hole and that you've already drilled because now you're through the sheet metal and you know where you are and the the whole trick in my opinion with making good front ends of guns is to make sure that all those holes stay in alignment. And it's not that hard. You just put a rivet in there and it locates it. So you do the three rivets on one side, you flip it over. And I like to either tape or, you know, otherwise keep, you can put the rivets in from the inside out because gravity's working against you when it's upside down. Mm -hmm. You do the other side of the, of the trunnion. And um, if that trunnion doesn't mate well with that receiver, you may want to fit the sheet metal a little bit or the trunnion to make sure that when you put gentle clamping pressure on there, and this is before you drill all those holes, just make sure that everything's nice and tight. So now we've got a nicely fit front trunnion to front receiver, and then we're going to crush the, the six rivets there. The front four, you just put in the jig and um, press down hard against uh, this cup that supports the outside of the rivet. Mm -hmm. And there's a little finger that reaches in inside where the barrel goes and you smush that rivet down until it's out of the way of where the barrel will go. 
you do that on and you want to do this in a cross pattern just like you'd be putting lug nuts on the tire yeah you know you're going in an x pattern mm -hmm. and then you're to the rear two rivets there and you actually use another jig that's included if you just buy this one thing from ak builder it gives you everything you actually do what's called dimpling you squish the after you drill your hole well we've already drilled that hole on there we we stick basically a metal pencil in that hole and squish the receiver down so that it it goes into a countersunk hole and it makes this funny sandwich of metal you then chase that hole again with your 530 seconds drill. And then we're going to drop these rivets that have a countersink on them. They're like a panhead screw. And then you crush them exactly the same way as the previous four, except you reach in through the magwell this time. Okay. So I'm, I'm abbreviating by a very large amount here. No, absolutely. We're just kind of going to go. The, yeah. We're going high level. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Yep. So now your front trunnion is riveted. The rear trunnion, you use the same jig that, you know, the, the one that grabs the front trunnion by the snout, that, that jig has another attachment, which grabs the rear trunnion. You line up your holes the exact same way, except with this one, you're going to use a number 17 or a number 16 drill because it's a fatter rivet and it's longer. It's an inch and a half long, roughly, maybe an inch and a quarter. After you've drilled those holes clear through, you, you set up this funny clamp that's called a trapeze rig on one of your other jigs that you've already bought, the one that has the finger on it that squishes the rivets in the front trunnion, that has a separate setup. You clamp the, you sandwich where you've got the sheet metal, the rear trunnion, and then sheet metal again. That gets all squished down against the rivet and the rivet's poking straight up. And there's another forming die, like a, a imagine a pencil that now has a little cup cut out of it. And uh, you squish the, end of the rivet into a head shape that shop tail concept again you do that on the rear two rivets and now you have a front and a rear trunnion attached you then are gonna rivet the trigger guard and so you put on your selector stop the little plate that the safety rests against and um, you're gonna put the trigger guard on top of that you're gonna put in four rivets uh the the front four once that's done you rivet the back end of the uh, trigger guard, which is hidden by the, the grip, but there's a rivet hiding under there. That one's easy. Mm -hmm. Like you're in the home stretch now. <laughs> we're seeing daylight now. It's starting, yeah, starting we're to come seeing together. Daylight. You're like, you're like halfway through building the gun by this point. Uh, at this stage, I like to fit magazines. We have a video on our YouTube channel and a very brief one on Instagram on how to fit, um, your gun to a magazine. Oh, cool. And, okay. um, not all mags are created equal. Like they're all a little different, so we fit to four or five different mags. In some cases, you'll want to fit the magazine to the gun. Um, U.S. Palm is one of those. They're a little fat in the rear. So you don't necessarily want to tune to every mag that's out there. Sometimes it's a lot better to, to fit the mag, as I say. Yeah. Uh, you go mags also occasionally need a little bit of care. Then I like to, to fit the fire control group. Um, sometimes the safeties need to be tuned in a little bit. If you're using an ALG safety, they're actually quite complicated to get right. Definitely follow the instructions so you don't kill anybody. This is a really big deal. <laughs> um, so without a bullet, without any rounds or any barrel near the gun, you're going to want to function test the fire control group when you get it in. This I cannot overstate how important this is. So you're going to cock the trigger, put the safety on, pull against the trigger quite hard, and make sure that the hammer doesn't fall. 
And then you're going to want to take the safety off, pull the trigger, and watch that the hammer falls. Then with the trigger all the way to the rear, you're going to want to recock the hammer, and that's going to go against the disconnector, which is what gives you a trigger reset. Then you're going to want to bring your trigger finger forward and hear a loud click that is the hammer connecting back to the trigger. That's the bare bones fire control group safety check. <clears throat> now it's time to squish a barrel on, and we're getting really close to being done. All right. So you um, want to put some anti-seize. First off, they've once they when they drill that barrel pin, um, they don't pull it out again. And so when you press the trunnion off, so you're going to want to you put the whole the way that the barreled action or barreled assembly looks when you get one from Andrew is that it's already got the front sight, the gas block, the handguard retaining ring, and the rear sight block already on the barrel, and everything's cross-pinned and done. You don't need to touch any of that. And the trunnion is hanging off that. It looks, you, it, it'd be hard to describe what it is, but it's a block of metal that, that does all the interfacing. You're going to want to put the barreled action upside down in the press so that the front sight is near the ground and um, get two one and a quarter inch blocks of steel. Um, I think they're included in the AK Builder kit, some little ones, but the ones from Robert Forbes are where it's at. They're huge and they're, they won't bend on you ever. Um, he sells them for a very reasonable rate. Again, robertforbes.com. And um, you put the two edges of the trunnion, um, it's got kind of shoulders on it that are where the front of the receiver is. Right. You put those in the... Um, laying on these blocks and then there's this barrel press tool that just is a big brass face that pushes the barrel out of the trunnion down towards the floor you want to catch it so you don't ding your muzzle um, you've done all this before at this point when you're about to press it back in and now has a receiver attached to it and there's a special little jig that's included in the kit that helps to support the receipt the, the trunnion so you're not pressing on the sheet metal that barrel, when you press it out, you're going to want to look at it because you can get what's called galling. When you press that freshly cut barrel back out, there can be some burrs on it. You want to smooth out those burrs uh, with some sandpaper or a file and then put um, anti-seize compound, which you can get at the hardware store or auto parts store. Put that on the outside of the barrel and uh, also on the inside of the trunnion. You flip this whole works upside down in the press so that now the barrel is facing up and the um, receiver is facing down and uh, you've lowered the, the shelf, let's call it, um, on the, the uh, press almost to the floor. And you're going to put a penny or one, there's jigs, but basically you just need something soft to protect the muzzle face. Mm -hmm. And you line up the rear sight block on an AK slides very nicely between the trunnion uh, that there's ears that stick up on a trunnion. You get all that lined up, whack it with a hammer so that it's roughly set, stick it in the press, and then you're just going to start pressing down. And you're going to want a buddy um, with a little dental pick, some kind of a little sharp, hard piece of needle kind of thing. And as you press the barrel in, you'll eventually see the half moon come into view when you're looking through the barrel pin hole. And then um, you're going to want to clean that out with some Q-tips, and then you'll watch as the barrel comes closer and closer to being in perfect alignment. And this is, as far as I know, Jim Fuller's trick. I don't know if he invented it or or somebody else showed him, but um, he starts scratching on the interface between the half moon of the barrel and the hole, and you'll get a little click, and eventually that click will go away. 
And that's when you want to stop because the two pieces of metal are perfectly in alignment. You've now barreled. Um, you're going to pull that thing out. Oh, and, and now's a good time to check your go and no go because okay. you might have pressed too far or not far enough. This is the moment. Um, and you're going to want to do that with the bolt carrier. And one thing I failed to say earlier is you do not want to get a running start. This is not a thing that you slam into home. You just want to use a nice, think of your hand moving like at a walking pace, just a deliberate, mm -hmm. straight, forceful movement. If you're going no-go or good to go, then you're fine. But if you've gone too far, you're going to flip the whole thing upside down again as if you're pressing the barrel out. And we call it ping-ponging around here, and it's no fun. But you occasionally <laughs> need to move it back and forth. And Because yeah. we're talking about a, a thousandth of an inch here that matters. So you can't even see the movement that we're talking about right now. You can barely feel it with the with the pick. I promise you, though, that this is better than with a non-drilled gun. So don't, don't think that by getting a non a non-drilled barrel pin that you're saving yourself any effort. This is still easier. Um, so then once that's all perfect, there's another jig they give you that's a plate that the the gun sits on so that you don't crush anything because if you just try and press the barrel pin in, there's nothing to press against and you'll just kind of crush your rivets. So there's a funny little plate with holes cut out in it to, to rest. It's like a little nest for the gun. Mm-hmm. You're going to line up the barrel pin, put um, anti-seize in the hole and on the barrel pin, give it a whack to, uh, with a, um, the hammers that I like best are made by Halder, H-A-L-D-E-R. You can find them on Amazon. They're a dead blow mallet with the Delrin face. They make everything in life more wonderful for AKs, ARs, everything. Like they're amazing. They're not cheap. They will last your lifetime. Tap that um, pin in, get it started, get it straight stick it back in the press in this little nest and there's a um you're going to need a a quarter inch pin now that that mounts on a kind of a collet um so that your one inch or two inch diameter piston now has a little you know quarter inch proboscis on a little well a little penis and uh <laughs> so and you're just going to line up that pin you're going to make sure that pin is started off straight and stays straight and you're going to press it in um, we typically, you, you should not, if, if the whole thing starts stuttering and popping and making awful sounds, it's probably a good idea to stop and make sure you're not doing something dumb and that there's not a big chip or something stuck in there. Um, we like to see if you happen to have a pressure readout on your press, we like to see about no more than 5,000 pounds when we're pressing one of these pins in. So you're going to press that until it's aesthetically pleasing and matched on both sides. If you're, if you care, or if you don't just make sure there's a little poking out on each side, you have now pretty much finished building a gun. I know we just have talked about the barreled action and everything, but it pretty much is done from here on. We're going to double check that our headspace is good. Same process as before. Mm -hmm. And now it's time to, if you want to paint it or Cerakote it or Parkerize it, you know, um, for your first couple guns, I would say that Krylon is a wonderful way to go. <laughs> the the O-shake um, can. So, do, do the O-shake yeah, can. Yeah, so let's just say we're going to rattle can the thing. Yeah. Um, you're going to put on, put your fire control group in, um, your lower hand guard, your upper hand guard, um, the, you know, recoil spring, dust cover, the grip, the stock, all that. And and all that stuff is, is pretty good to find on YouTube. There's, yeah. you know, and we've got some some videos up on that sort of thing, but it, you, it's, no, I will say it, this and I don't plug my YouTube videos very often, but I do have a good video you know, you were talking about, this is the time where you put your beautification on there if you want it. 
Uh, I did a hydro dip, uh, an AK-47 yeah, hydro yeah. dip. And uh, it was a great video I did with the uh, dipstick hydrographics. Uh, it's out there. You guys can check it out, and uh, it'll show you how to do the hydro dip process if you want to do that. Yeah, hydro dipping is a really nice way to go here. Um, so, yeah, the, the next thing to do is um, the Jim Fuller method is to not put grease anywhere on the gun and um, to take it out to the range and do a full mag dump and uh, check your ejection pattern. You should be kicking, you know, on a standard gas uh, port, you know, on a pre-barreled gun. Mm -hmm. You should be kicking 10 feet at a minimum and in normal temperatures, probably more like 20. Look and see if any of those rounds are dribbling out or if you have a bad, you know, if you're feeding poorly. Um, and if you run into some some problems, uh, you know, give one of us a ring, you know, if you're getting casing stuck in the chamber, um, very occasionally, this is why I'm against chrome line barrels or not against, but I don't use them is that the chrome that's used today, um, very occasionally you'll have too much buildup. I think it might be from environmental regulations. These guys are doing their best, but they're not allowed to use the really toxic stuff anymore that worked so well. Yeah. Um, you'll, you'll run into some stuff like that very occasionally, but more often than not, you should just be good to go. Um, I missed one step. Well, this shouldn't be taken as a guide anyway. This is the rough overview. Yeah. But one of the things that you do on your receiver is to tune the ejector. And um, there's a big tab of metal. It starts off huge. And you file that down until the bolt barely clears it. And um, so that's something you did earlier. And if you did it right, um, then, uh, you know, those rounds will be kicking way off into the sunset. If you didn't do it at all, you already know this because your bolt won't fit in the gun. Um, <laughs> yeah, so pretty easy. You did this a while back. Yep. And then, yeah, yeah it, it's just, you know, after you've burned a bunch of rounds through it, check your go, no go again. Um, just because it closes on a go at that step um, doesn't mean that the gun's dangerous, but it does mean that, that you want to check, yeah. check some things. Yep. Yeah, so th that's, absolutely. The, that's the big overview. Um yeah. There you go. Now you got you got your completed AK-47. You've taken it out. You've tested it. Uh, you you can put another notch in your belt. So and then you're ready to move on and go buy your next build kit now. <laughs> yeah. The the next feeling AK. the feeling of putting the first round through a gun you built from scratch is pretty awesome and yeah. and highly addictive. Yeah. Absolutely. So very good. So there you go, guys. There's our parts kit. Build uh, uh, build your AK from scratch kind of kind of show. Hope uh, that that answered most of your questions. I know there's probably going to be more questions that you have as you're listening to this. Uh, and of course, Brian's a uh, little walkthrough there on the the assembly part. As you get into building yours, like he said, that's not you know it's just an overview. It's a guide. So um, you can definitely play this back and listen to it. Maybe as you're watching some videos on on how to build it or add these notes uh, when you go take your class uh, be be great information for that um, but send your questions if you have additional questions talking at gmail.com reference this episode season two episode four and uh, we'll get you the the answers that you need so um, that brings us Brian to our giveaway for this Heck episode yeah. And as we alluded to earlier in the show, 
We're going to be giving away. We didn't lose. We told you. Adam told you. We're going to be giving away another grip and 10 more U.S. Palm magazines to one of you lucky leadheads. So what I did was I made a post uh, during the holiday seasons. And it was a um, video that Century Arms had had put up. You know, our last episode was about shooting suppressed. So they've got a fully auto AK-47. Uh, they've got like a, I don't know, is that a 65 round, 100 round, round drum mag on it? Uh, and they're shooting it suppressed. And I posted that on Instagram and I posted it on Facebook. And I just asked you guys, you know, what would you like to hear about on upcoming episodes of the Talking Lead AK Corner, presented by Century Arms and Occam Defense Solutions. So we're going to go through. I'm going to hit Facebook first, Brian, and uh, just go around here one by one and see what our comments are. Jeff Comb, C-O-M-B-E. Would you call that Comb or Combe? I call it Comb. Let's go, Comb. I'm okay. good with that. Suppressor talk is always great. Just trying to learn more about my AK, contemplating the Wolfman with the chemo micro setup. Well, as you've heard in the last episode, I don't think you can go wrong. I think it was uh, pretty unanimous that that's a uh, a very good choice of uh, suppressors for your AK. Peter, yeah, yeah. I think the Wolfman might be slightly different from the Wolverine, but it's still an amazing suppressor. Yep. Yeah. The uh, next one comes to us from Peter Wiktorski, W I K T O R S K I. It's a suggestion for mounting optics on an AK. I have a washer 10 with the adapter on the side of the receiver. Is this a reliable spot, or should I look at getting something that replaces the rear sight? Uh, and then he's got a couple of people here that have jumped in, like you leadheads do. You're always uh, helping one another. Peter Russell answered, said, Peter, check out the Merc Rail from Occam Defense Solutions. Neil Joseph says, Peter, get yourself an RS Regulate mount, and you'll be good as gold. So there's a couple of sol uh, solutions or answers for you. But, Peter, we're going to do an episode on this. So it's either going to be after, it'll be after SHOT Show, probably, uh, episode that we talked about. We're going to do a special SHOT Show uh, AK Corner. So uh, it's either going to be the next one or the one after that. We're actually going to talk about mounting solutions for scopes, accessories. Uh, we're going to talk about slings. Uh, all kinds of different things like that and, and the proper or best ways to go about mounting those. Um, so stay tuned. That's coming up. Eric Meyer, uh, again, mounting, lights, lasers, QD mounts. Uh, a lot of you guys. Here's another. Edward uh, Burton, Ed Burton, mounting lights on AKs. Pierce Taylor, AK bayonets. Uh, you know I like knives. I, I know. I know you do. <laughs> so we'll probably include the bayonets in that section, uh, in that episode that we do. Uh, I think that would be a good tie-in with the, the mounting and the accessories. Uh, John Palmer, I want one. Well, go get it, son. Uh, ODS, Century Arms, build your own. It, it's out there. It's available. Sam Russell, I don't think you've covered performance and quality of available ammunition. I have not decided what defensive rounds to put in my ODS yet. So we did do a, an episode. Um, I don't know that we went into great detail about the ammunition on AK-47 ammunition, um, but maybe that's something that we'll talk about again 
in a future episode. But I mean, there's really not a lot of you know a lot to say about seven six two by three nine ammo, Brian. Well, I'll I'll tell you that people keep asking what uh, what crazy ammo we're using to get our test targets that we post on Instagram. And I'm here to tell you that that is the cheapest wolf we can find. <laughs> and so uh, that's one nice, really nice thing is that, you know, AK ammo has a reputation of being trash. And I think our gun would beg to differ. I think that right. wolf is is really great for accuracy and reliability. Um, I've had great luck with Tula as well. Um, there is a, a very small supply of Yugoslavian made uh um, armor penetrating ammo out there that's brass cased. Mm -hmm. It is corrosive, um, but you can find it every now and then. But I'm here to tell you, if you shoot somebody, uh, if, if you have need to defend yourself with an AK round, um, they are going to leave you alone. <laughs> and uh, so that is our goal is to stop threats. Right. And, and then, of uh, course, Red Army is, Standard is a is a good oh, brand. Yeah. Great, great yep. ammo there. Um, but the 7.62 round in and of itself, is a defensive round. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have heard nobody say bad things about the Red Army standard, and some folks swear it is the most accurate AK ammo they've used. I don't have a great deal of experience with it, but people that I trust say that it's awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll change that for you. We'll get you some of that. Yeah, yeah, that's a, I would. Hey, hell yeah, yeah. yeah hell. <laughs> I didn't think you'd argue with that. So that's our Facebook. Yeah. Uh, let me go to to uh, Instagram, and on Instagram we've got. Uh, Let's see. Buckminster says, dang, zero muzzle rise. Uh, so he's talking about the video itself. Yeah, I mean, there was very little muzzle rise on that that full auto that he was shooting suppressed. It was pretty sweet. John Adams said, I would like to hear some discussion on traditional side rails. Do they, I mean, you seen a pattern here? That's why our next one or uh, two episodes uh, that we're going to do, that, that's what we're going to be talking about. So that was the majority of the comments. Century... Uh, gave a big uh, party on what's this? What's that called? That emoji? Hook 'em horns. Hook 'em horns. <laughs> In response, Tyler Bronson twelve sixteen. I'd love to hear about the new four fifty eight SOCOM AK by Tromix. Saw a teaser for it on Facebook yesterday. Looks sweet. I'm not familiar with that one, Brian. Uh, nor am I. But I, you know, where I'm going after this. I got to check that out. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard of Tromix? I haven't. I need to fix myself here. T-R-O-M-I-X. Okay. Uh, Brian and I are going to do some research uh, now, Tyler. So thank you for bringing that to our attention. Uh, we'll, we'll check into that. Now, we did mention that at one point in time, uh, and you you mentioned him earlier on the show, and I think you mentioned him last episode too, uh, the guy that's doing the 50 Cal AK, what, what's his name? Yeah, um, Brandon Herrera. Yeah. Real nice guy. Yeah. So I wonder if this is along the lines of that or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know exactly where his AK-50 project is at. Um, yeah, I've, I've lost track, but I think it, it might be just creeping along here. It, it takes a ton of money and time to bring a new weapon online like that, and um, I'm super stoked that he's trying to push the envelope. It's really cool. Heck yeah. Uh, Tandem Dooley, I would love to hear about the PSL rifle and the newer... 5.45 variations of the system. Also, where to get that 5.45 ammo and parts kits? 
Yep, yep. The PSL is a Romanian kind of variant of the Dragunov. They're not the same thing. Um, Paul Merkel, um, student of the gun, has gotten some really great results out of the PSL. Right. I don't have a lot of experience with them. What's up? No, I was gonna. I was oh, gonna okay. say, yeah, the PSL, the PSL rifle. Um, uh, Century has one that's similar uh, to the Dragunov, the, and there's is the PSL. Yep, and that's made made in Romania. Um, definitely not the same thing as the Dragunov, but yeah, yeah, Paul's getting some some crazy results there. I'm not familiar with the one in five four five, um, but in terms of getting five four five parts kits, um, they are very skinny, and I love five four five. But the reason that we don't we're we're going to make a very limited run of them. The reason that we don't have a big run um, is because we can't get new parts kits. I hear rumors. Um, of a U.S. made AK-74 parts kit coming down, and I think that would do a lot to revive the popularity of that cartridge. Yeah, um, and like you said, the PSL, it's a 7.62 by 5.4. Yeah, that's right. So I don't know what he's talking about there. I didn't know that they had a, a 5.45 in the PSL. No. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Um, they might make a 39. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I do not know a lot about the PSL. Okay. So, well, Adam had to jump off, or otherwise we could hit him up on that. And he did allude that they're coming out with a new cartridge, a new round in their AK. So, don't don't know what he was talking about there, but that could be it. Could be what he's talking about. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Shot show coming up. All right, so let's see. That was Tannel. So Jerry Black, last one here. What other quality options other than the QD side mount rail from Midwest Industries are available to mount optics? What suppressor is installed on the above AK? I don't know what uh, suppressor they're using in that video. Um, just uh, shoot a little message there in in the post, Jerry, and ask Sentry, and they'll tell you. But, um, yeah, again... The majority of what you guys want to talk about next has to do with accessories, mounting the accessories, lights, scopes, slings, you know, those kind of things. And that's that's what we'll talk about. So we'll get some interesting, knowledgeable people on like we always do with Brian's help, and uh, it'll be a good show. So what I'm going to do, Brian, is um, between all these people, of course, you know to get that, that random numberizer ready. I <laughs> I've already got it up. I'm one step ahead of you for once. Okay, so um, just like I read them, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through here and assign numbers. So Jeff Combe from Facebook is one. Peter Wiktorski is two. Uh, and I'm gonna get the people who responded too. So Sam Russell is three. One, two, three. Neil Johnson is four. I'm sorry, Neil Joseph is four. Eric Meyer is five. Ed Burton is six. And if I mess up on my number and as I go through here, correct me. One, two, three, four, five, six. So Ed is six. Pierce Taylor is seven. Uh, let's see. Neil's jumped in again here. So you only get one number, Neil. What'd I say? Seven, Pierce. John Palmer is eight. And Sam Russell's on here again, so Sam's in here already. So we're at eight with John Palmer. Now we're going to jump over to Instagram. Buckminster is nine. John Adams, he won something in our last episode, didn't he? Uh, John Adams is 10. Tyler Bronson, 11. Tandem Dooley, 12. Jerry Black, 13. 
Did I get my numbering right? Okay, super. So we got All we right. got got them got them there. So there's 13 of you. I signed everybody a name, uh, a number to a name. So let's randomize this and see who's going to be our winner of the 10 U.S. Palm mags and one grip, AK grip. All right, insert fancy sound here. Number eight. Number eight. Number eight is John Palmer. Congratulations, Leadhead John Palmer, and that's J-O-N-P-A-L-M-E-R. You win a U.S. Palm, <laughs> 10, uh, 10 AK magazines, and uh, a grip. So shoot me an email, talkinglet at gmail.com. And, of course, 30-round mags have to be legal in your state. Uh, otherwise, you'll get a substitution on your, your giveaway there, John. But congratulations, and thank you to everyone who has been participating in Season 2 of the Talking Lead AK Corner. And uh, keep the questions coming, keep the comments coming, talkinglead at gmail.com. Put in the uh, subject, AK Corner, and um, you know we'll address those. We'll read them on air. And, of course, keep commenting, sharing, liking our post on Facebook, on Instagram, and go to those who support and sponsor this show uh, like Century Arms, presenters of the Talking Lead AK Corner, Occam Defense Solutions, Brian Keeney over there, the ODS-1775. Give us an update on what's going on with Occam Defense and your 1775, Brian. Well, we have a an exciting new innovation that we're going to unveil at SHOT um, in the way that we make them. That's pretty awesome. Um, that, uh, yeah, I am super excited about. We got it running on the last build here and let's say it makes classification faster on how they feel um, that they come to you in a much more, yeah, broken in state. Yeah, I'm really nice. pumped to demo. So that'll be, that'll be really cool. Please check on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and all that. Um, we'll be dropping that. Um, we are cranking out guns left and right, right now we're clearing our backlog. Um, backlogs are down to more like, you know, 12 to 16 weeks than more than a year, like what it was in the past. Yeah. Um, we are now shipping our pistols to the first people that pre-ordered them this week. Um, so we've got the 1775 pistol. It's a 76239, 10 and a half inch barrel crank length gas system, which gives us a little more time where the bullet is still in the barrel where it's actuating the gas. So you don't need a blast can or something to give enough back pressure to have the thing actually work. Um, those have a 1913, uh, pick rear trunnion on them that we make. So you can put any kind of arm brace that has a 1913 adapter on there. Um, nice. the ones like PSA and, and, um, SIG brace make those and mm -hmm. yeah, we're, they're, they're coming out great. We're having a lot of fun making them and you still and, doing uh, the, is it $200 down payment and then that, yep. that gets yep. you a slot. Exactly. So we just, to filter out those that are serious, we ask for 200 bucks up front and then a couple of weeks out from building your gun, um, we reach out to you and make sure that we've got your order exactly right. That um, mm -hmm. every, every gun is built for a specific customer. So if you want stuff fancy, like there's one guy we're building a, a plum AK for with a plum stock and plum coloring and it's going to be badass. So if you want something from mild to wild, <laughs> we can do it. Um, and make and, sure you uh, let him know that you're a lead head and he's going to throw in a little extra 
little swag in there for you. So yeah, sure we've got these know. really cool two foot by three foot propaganda banners that this very cool Russian artist um, named Oleg Adbashian um, runs the peoplescube.com. Yeah. He did designed our season two AK logo, AK yeah. corner logo. Yeah. Yeah. And very he is talented a, a guy. Le- legit protest artist that uh yeah he's gotten arrested a couple times for putting <laughs> hillary for prison propaganda out and you know in public and so he's our kind of guy and we love shouting out uh his he's awesome he, he's he's as american as it gets um Absolutely. while still having a very thick russian accent so uh, actually his accent's great but you know he's he's cool so yeah we'll throw one of those posters in for you and um, yeah, we've had a bunch of leadheads sign up, and we're super stoked to uh, to get to know all you guys. So, um, like I said, Sam Russell and um, and John Adams there are our customers who I know and and have interacted with, and um, really enjoy that. I like building guns for for fellow patriots. Check them out, OccamDefenseSolutions.com. Is it OccamDefense.com or OccamDefense? OccamDefense.com. And of course, they've got swag there too. He's got t shirts, he's got the the posters. Uh, uh, very cool, like he said, uh, propaganda. <laughs> and we're actually building a gun for you right now, Marty. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, mine's yeah. on the table. It's on the table after you've been waiting yeah. a year and two or three months for years. So, uh, who's yeah, counting? You've been very who's counting? patient. <laughs> well, Marty's been awful patient with us and told us to put, I put want, paying customers in front of us. I them, want so. the paying customers to come first. The lead heads come first. Uh, I'll, I'll get mine eventually. I've had the, you know, the, the pleasure to be able to meet you at ranges here and there and be able to shoot them and get some hands on with the 1775, but uh, I can't wait to get mine. I was hoping we got it, you know, for hunting season, for deer season, but uh, that's okay. That gives me time to get it good and sighted in and broke in and use it for uh, next season. Of course, there's going to be some hog hunts come up too. I've been uh, eyeing a couple of hog hunts, so uh, I can take some hogs down with that sucker too. Yeah, yeah, and if I was going to say the same thing, and we have a couple full auto copies sitting here in the shop that might need to get dusted off for the hog hunting. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely invite you along for that. <laughs> but I'll it, broaden my way any way I can. Yep. Again, another great episode. Uh, thank you so much for uh, getting Andrew lined up from Arms of America. Um, look forward to meeting him at SHOT Show and getting to know him a little bit better. Uh, and then of course, Adam with, with Century Arms, you guys go show these guys some love, let them know how much you appreciate them taking the time to be on, sharing their knowledge, uh, with you guys. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's how we do it. They need to know that you're listening and that you hear them. So go to their social media, go to their websites, shoot them emails, let them know that you, that you heard them, that you're hearing them and that you're interested in, you know, what they're bringing to the table. So U.S. Palm. Check them out uh, through Century Arms website. They've got a link there, Red Army Standard. And then, of course, we talked about the Canic. We gave one of those away. Uh, I mean, it's been so – I took a big break. You know, it's been a month since our last episode. I think it was last episode we gave that Canic away. Uh, But anyway, we gave a Canic away. We're going to be giving away uh, some more uh, guns from Century Arms in upcoming episodes. So stay tuned. Be engaging with us. Be interactive. And like I said, that's how we're picking our winners. You saw how we did it the last uh, four episodes here. We're just going to our post and seeing who's participating. 
and uh, Brian does that random number generator, and boom, lucky yeah, winner. If, if I may, uh, yeah, butt in here. Uh, I got a chance to, uh, well, we have a canic now that was uh, graciously given to us by Century. And um, that thing outshoots my Glock coming and going. It's a very accurate gun. And I hate to say it, but I'd, it is a. I was very, is, yeah, I was the same way, man. It's, yeah. it, it smokes my Glock. Yep. Yep. No doubt about it. All right, so that does it for this episode, Season 2, Episode 4, the Talking Lead AK Corner, presented by Century Arms. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, like I said, keep the, the communication coming. Until next episode, uh, you know, we're getting geared up for SHOT Show. Brian's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Uh, Adam's going to be there. Andrew said he's going to be there. Uh, and then our special edition of the AK Corner coming from SHOT Show. Wouldn't be surprised if I didn't hook up a live feed to that also. Uh, but it, SHOT Show is going to be awesome. Uh, just days now, we're going to be heading out. So stay tuned for that. Until next month, Leadheads, Das Vidanya. Outtakes, outtakes, outtakes. Hello? Adam. Hey, buddy. There he is. Okay, there we go. All right, so Adam, we've got Andrew with uh, Arms of America, and of course you know Brian Keeney with Occam Defense. Hey, buddy. hey, sir, how are you? It's been a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you do All some right. curls before you got on? What for the girls? Do some curls. Your arms feel like you pumped up a little bit there, buddy. No, man, just getting fat and old today. Skinny. How long? How long do you want this episode to be? It's going to be as long as it's entertaining and fun and informational. That is beautiful. Well at, said. at least an hour, buddy. Fortunately, Corey didn't quite give me an idea what was the. He was telling me it was going to be a real quick call, so I wasn't quite ready for it. Yeah, Corey didn't know what he was talking about then because we're not quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's fine. I mean, if if uh, you got to jump off and jump back on, we can probably make that work. But um, let's go ahead and get started because everybody's got shit they're doing, shot show and everything coming up. So, um, You're going uh, to discriminate against the hearing impaired, huh? I think I'll just I'll hold it up to my ear here. And then... <laughs> that's smart. Okay. Uh, and, Andrew, do you want me to call you Andrew or Andy? Let's go with Andrew. That sounds good. Okay. And do you want me to say your last name? It doesn't matter to me. My last name is Smith. You don't have to say it. That sounds like a made-up name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>